Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew chapter 18. At that time, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And so we just pray that we become like little children before our Heavenly Father. Um, And that can be difficult. It can be difficult, but we just, as best we can, try to imagine ourselves as little children. And we just want to be uh, just free and fearless and just playing in the Father's backyard, right? Um, Our guardian angels are going to help us. Uh, Matthew 18, further on, says, See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you, that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of my heavenly Father. So our guardian angels are with us and um, protecting us as children of our our Father. You know, our... And and that really is our identity. Um... That really is our identity, beloved sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And we just praise God for the gift, the gift of life, the gift of um, being created. Now, we did not put ourselves here, and so um, uh, really God owes us nothing from one standpoint, right? He owes us nothing because um, life is a total gift. But it's not just that he wants us to survive. He wants us to be free and fearless. He wants us to be children. Um, Just having a ton of fun. Just filled with joy in this life. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him might not perish, but might have eternal life. John 10.10, a thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have life and have it more abundantly. First John, which we also heard last night, see what love the Father, First John chapter 3, see what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God, yet so we are. And then he goes on and says, Beloved, we are God's children now. 1 John chapter 4. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only Son into the world so that we might have life through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loves us and sent his Son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. You know, in the Catechism, uh, paragraph 221 uh, says, God's very being is love. By sending his only Son and the Spirit of love in the fullness of time, God has revealed his innermost secret 
and we're crying out, what is his innermost secret? God himself is an eternal exchange of love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he has destined us to share in that exchange. And so maybe right off we say, oh, well, yeah, it's probably in heaven. It's probably in heaven I get to be with God and and experience that love. No, now, on this earth, God wants us and, and has placed us in this eternal exchange of love. Pope Benedict XVI, um, in his uh, 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 homily for the Mass inaugurating his pontificate, so this was April 24, 2005, he said, Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. There's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel, by the encounter with Christ. There's nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. So that's Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI. I just love that. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. There's a lot that we can um, meditate on there. That because it is so important, brothers and sisters, that we understand that we were willed, that we were chosen, that we were, that this was no accident that we're here, that we were willed by Him. And just purely out of love for us. Obviously, as we know, he has no need for us. He doesn't need us. To, but he has chosen us. He, he, his love is such that he wants others to share in that, to share in that exchange. And so on this retreat, I pray that we would just allow God to love us. You know, I, know, I realize that you know, even, you know, for myself, coming here, um, you know, thinking of things that are, that are just, weigh, just here weighing on my own heart, you know, um, things of, oh, just, I know, self-righteous thoughts and judgmental thoughts and, and um, my own weaknesses and failures, um, uh, you know, it can it can be a lot, right? I mean, we can just it can be a lot for us just to be weighed down weighed down by all of that. And and don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously, it's important for us, and we'll have an opportunity immediately after this conference and and um, throughout uh, the retreat this afternoon. I know Monsignor Perkinton and Father Coulter are going to be hearing confessions as well. Um, but yeah, there's going to be an opportunity to hand over, you know, the burdens of our sins, our weaknesses, our failures, to hand them over to the Lord in confession, okay? And, um, and, and trust me, you know, the Father, he's, he's preparing us already for that, right? Ahead of every confession, the Lord is bringing to mind for us what he just wants us to hand over to him, 
just so that we can be lifted of that burden, or that burden can be lifted off our hearts, right? And so he's already working on us for my next confession and your next confession. Um, and, and just bring to mind for us what he just wants us to hand over to him. You know, just allowing him to just to lift that burden. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it absolutely brings him joy to do that. It absolutely brings him joy to lift the burden of our sins that are on our hearts. Um, you know the aches that are the ache that is in our hearts. You know, obviously, so our the, our Father, His heart aches when our heart aches, and so yeah, definitely there is that there is the need to hand over. Uh, to him, or the, the the great goodness, you know, if the Lord puts it on our heart, if we're desiring of it, if we're open to it, to just sharing, uh, just handing over, as I say, the burdens of our sins that are on our hearts, just allowing the Father just to take those, and and just in 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 place of that, just pour His life and His grace and His strength, um, just allow Him to do what He does. But let's also, on this retreat, so let's just allow God to love us and not be um, overly consumed by or just consumed by my weaknesses and failures and how and, and all of that. And, you know, and if that's difficult even to do that, it's okay. It's okay. I with everything, wherever we're at in the healing process today, five minutes from now, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, years from now, it's okay. You know, all we have to do is just say, Jesus, this is, what's, what's on, this is where I'm at. This is where my heart is right now. And that's what he wants. He wants, he wants us... Um, um, he wants us as we are, you know. He wants our hearts as we see it right now. It's and and just not and not to pour on to ourselves what we ought to be or what we think we ought to be, you know. And so, just sharing that with him is the key, you know. And that, I mean, it comes that. The phrase, uh, he wants you, I want you as you are, not as you ought to be, right? Um, I borrowed that, just so you know, um, from one of my favorite songs by Hawk Nelson, okay? Drops in the Ocean is what it's called. Um, but there's a line in there that just jumped out at me one day. I want you as you are, not as you ought to be. There's so much in that. Um, because we think that we can only go to Jesus with what we ought to be or who we ought to be um, and not just as I am right now. And so we just um, we ask the Lord to help us in that. Just to, So we give our pers- ourselves permission just to, to tell him the way our heart looks to us right now or what if there's something agitating us or if there's something joyful, something grateful, 
in our heart or some sorrow, sadness, emotion, desire, desires of our hearts. So important that we share with the Lord the desires of our hearts. And you know, I, trust me, I have not believed, I've been a priest for 22 years. I believed that for about two of those years. So, but I, it's coming all the more clear to me how the Lord cares about the desires of your heart, each one of us. And in fact, it's how he's speaking to us. And so, not, so paying attention to that. And, and I, it's almost like looking at it in terms of every circumstance in life. You know, what is, what is the desire of my heart right now in my place of work or at school or in the home or in the community? What is the desire of my heart? What do I want for myself and for the people around me? You know, paying attention to that is, is important. But, but especially when it comes to, yeah, what, what is my heart longing for just within my own life? What kind of healing is my heart longing for right now? Just sharing that honestly with Jesus. Where, where are those times that um, I ha- I've, I've, I, um, uh, where I haven't felt your love, Lord? Or where I, where I it's times in my life where I, I felt abandoned, felt like you weren't there. You know, he's a big God. I'm sure you've heard that said many times. He's a big God. He can handle it. Right, but just it's the the importance is the importance the important thing is to share our honest heart and in our own words, in our own words, doesn't have to be lengthy, doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to yeah, just as we would say it, okay. Um, What, so one of the, uh, I guess, just my journey into being interested in and, and passionate about healing of the heart, uh, really, I'm going to, well, it probably started from the time I was born. But, um, but you know, more recently, I don't know, within the last 10 years or so, you may have heard the, I didn't bring the Unbound book uh, into the chapel with me. I do have it. I'll show it to you later. Um, this is the Be Healed book. But the Unbound, a guide to deliverance. Okay, by Neil Lozano. I had first read that book, and then I had a priest friend's. We were in a priest kind of study group, um, well, Yezu Caritas group, uh, and um, a priest friend said, "Well, yeah, I like the Unbound book, and I also recommend this book, the Be Healed book." And so that's. Um, really, I think, began, began this journey into, um, you know, just wanting healing for my own heart as well as healing for other people's hearts. Because where the healing happens then, we then become all the more aware of our true identity. We're able to live more freely in who we really are as a father, father's beloved sons and daughters. And so the more we're open to that healing, the more we're open to just being who we are. And um, so anyway, the, the, uh, the fourth chapter of this book, The Beloved Son, just really is, in my mind, the, the, the um, well, I don't know what I want to say, the, um, uh, it's like the main point in my mind, you know, of this whole book, where he says, uh, Dr., well, first of all, he quotes St. John Paul II, 
from World Youth Day 2002, and it's pretty widely quoted, so I wouldn't be surprised if you've heard it, but he quotes at the beginning of this chapter 4, he says, um, St. John Paul II says, rather, World Youth Day 2002, and I remember being there in Toronto. I remember hearing those words, just really stood out to me at that time, Uh, just very bold, right? Where he says, or said, we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his Son. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity capacity to become the image of his Son. And then he goes on and says, How do you perceive yourself? Do you see yourself as the sum of all your weaknesses and failures or the image of the beloved Son? Do you believe you are cherished and deeply lovable or inherently worthless and easily discarded? Is your fundamental identity that of a sinner or a saint? Don't be too quick to answer these questions. You may believe one thing based on the way you have been taught, but quite another in the way you really see yourself in the depths of your heart. And this is no small matter. What you believe about yourself in your heart becomes your identity, which in turn shapes everything in your life. Then he continues on. So, yeah, just what you believe about yourself in your heart becomes your identity. Um, in a certain manner, it becomes our identity. It's not our true identity, right? But that's who we think we are, and it shapes everything in our life. You know, he goes on and says, The church teaches that when we put on Christ at baptism, we receive our new identity in Christ. The old is gone, and the new has taken its place. So, why then do we keep hanging on to our old identities? based on the accusations of the evil one. We may believe we are chosen and redeemed, but our lives often belie that fact. He says, We are confused because we are living from two competing identities. We are beloved children of the Father, but still find ourselves struggling with weaknesses of character and the consequences of sin that remain with us even after our baptism. Jesus has no such inner conflicts or contamination of soul. His identity is clear and without confusion. For all eternity, he is the beloved Son of the Father in communion with the Holy Spirit. So um, so what happened? Um, you know, what happened was the fall, right? Uh, the, the fall of our, our first parents, Adam and Eve, And this is what uh, St. John Paul II says about that. And we can read that, obviously, in Genesis 3. I'm not going to read through it. But St. John Paul II, in his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, uh, this is on page 227 of his book, Crossing the Threshold of Hope, he says, As we know from Revelation, in human history, the rays of fatherhood meet a first resistance in the obscure but real fact of original sin. This is truly the key for interpreting reality. Original sin is not only the violation of a positive command of God, but also, and above all, a violation of the will of God as expressed in that command. 
original sin attempts then to abolish fatherhood. Destroying its rays which permeate the created world, placing in doubt the truth about God who is love, and leaving man only with a sense of the master-slave relationship. And so we So it, it's at the fall, and we know this, that um, it's at the fall where the enemy um, instilled in Adam and Eve and all their descendants, including us, this lack of trust. Can God really be trusted? Can the Father really be trusted? Uh, and... And so this is what we grapple with all the time. You know, can we really trust our Father, our Heavenly Father? And so we, um, and, and what, what really um, magnifies or amplifies that struggle, okay, is wounds to our hearts, right? Where we have been wounded in our hearts, or minds, souls, and bodies, um, it's hard then for us. There's, there's an obstacle there where we think that we cannot, um, where it's hard for us to really believe that we can trust God our Father. And... Um, So just uh, to look um, a little bit, a little bit at, uh, at the um, you know, the uh, um, anatomy of a wound, the anatomy of wound that uh, Dr. Bob uh, points out in this, or really lays before us in this in this book, uh, "Be Healed: A Guide to Encountering the Powerful Love of Jesus in Your Life." You know, so he says that you know there's wounds to our hearts, okay, and a wound can be anything. He comes up with um, a list of seven deadly wounds, and he uh, he acknowledges that you can categorize wounds in all in many different ways, but um, you know there are seven deadly wounds to our to our hearts. He says, okay, abandonment. So abandonment, shame, fear, powerlessness, rejection, hopelessness, and confusion. Abandonment, shame, fear, powerlessness, rejection, hopelessness, and confusion. And as I say those words, I think all of us could probably think of at least one, uh, if not two or three, or maybe even all of them, uh, where we've experienced these uh, kinds of wounds. Abandonment. I am all alone. No one, understand, no one understands me. No one cares. Shame. I am bad, dirty, stupid, perverted. It's all my fault. Fear. If I trust, speak, confront, I will be hurt or die. I am not safe. 
powerlessness. I feel overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I can't do anything. Rejection. I am not loved or wanted. I have no value. Hopelessness. It's never going to change. I'm weary. There is no hope. Confusion. I don't understand. I don't know what is happening to me. It doesn't make sense. So he says that these are... Okay, so, yeah, anatomy of a wound, you have the wounds. But then what happens is the enemy, once again, just like he did at, um, at the fall, he is opportunistic, and he uses that moment to... At where I mean, it could be anything from, um, you know, I'm a young child and an adult says something to me, whether it's a parent or aunt or uncle or a teacher or someone in authority, um, that wounds the heart, okay? Or it could be something far greater than that, like a, some form of abuse or a trauma. Um, a, a just... It could be something far worse than that. But the point is that the enemy uses those moments to wound the heart and um, get us to believe lies about ourselves or get us to believe something about somebody else um, that is false. And so you have the wound, the seven that I mentioned, then you also have the lies and beliefs and then outside of the wound, outside of that, I should say, you have these inner vows, or we make these inner vows. Um, you know, essentially that are promises that we make to ourselves um, out of fear or because of the wounds or judgments. You know, they're, they're promises we make to ourselves. Um, you know, because this happened, I will never be such and such, or I'll never do such and such. Or um, when I'm in this or that situation, I will always do fill in the blank. Okay, so we make inner vows, or this is just who I am, right? Um, I just I have to just get over it and accept that this is who I am, or this is what um, I have to do. Okay. Uh, but what happens in that, when we make that inner vow, is that we, t- we want to take control. We feel like we have to take control to protect our heart. Somebody did not protect my heart in the time that it was wounded, so um, I can't trust anyone else, anyone else to do that for me. And so therefore I have to do it myself. And, there, and there, you know, I have to be in control then uh, to protect my own heart. And so that's where the inner vows come in. You know, Dr. Bob, uh, well, before I get to that, um, okay, so Dr. Bob says that um, his, his um, well, the example that he gives simply, okay, so spoiler alert, I don't want to, um, uh, there's, it's a very good book, and a lot of anecdotes in it, and just. But anyway, the point he makes is that the wound of his heart was that his his dad left him when he was thirteen years old, and um, left the family, 
and um, and 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 as a result of that, his parents got divorced. And um, but he says that you know later on in his own marriage, he had he had made the vow that he would never divorce his own wife. He would never be unfaithful to his wife. And you know obviously those are important things to be committed to. Um, it's important to, to, but he said that the inner vow that he made there at that point was not rooted in a love bond. It was rooted in the wound. It was rooted in his um, experience of his own dad leaving. And, and so uh, he, he then talks about, you know, throughout his life, how he um, experienced healing and stages along the way. Um, and so anyway, the anatomy of a wound. And so it's, it's good for us, I would say, you know, if the Lord leads you to, to, to say, Lord, are any of these wounds, my wounds, um, are any of these wounds on my heart, Lord, or Lord, I know that this is a wound to my own heart. And Jesus, and so what we can do in that, we can bring Jesus into that place and ask him to show us where he was when that wound to the heart occurred, or wound mind, heart, soul, and body. And um, just, we can bring that to him in prayer. There's this, uh, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to, like, the lies that, you know, and I'll just be honest, I, I'm i still learning, well, I'm going to be for the rest of my life, but um, certain, it's, it's, it's kind of a process. I'm just going to say, if you haven't already discovered this, it's kind of a process in learning what lies we have bought into, Right? It's, a, it's kind of a lifelong process where we're learning what lies we bought into, that the enemies fed us, that I'm just, that I just accept, accept as truth. And um, so I was just thinking the other day uh, on Friday. So I, my dad was, I'll just say that my dad. Um, was a great dad, a great, just a very supportive dad. Um, but also, there were times where I just felt very intimidated by him. You know, like just when he got angry, could really see it in his face, almost a, almost a near hatred, right? And as far as I, rec- I can recall, anyway, um, I don't think there was any. Anyway, that's just. I don't think there was any physical abuse associated with it or whatever. But all I'll say is it was just very impactful to me when I saw my dad angry and when he was disappointed. And I've come to learn later in life that there was times where he struggled with depression in his own life. And, and so he was, and I know that he's, he had his wounds, you know, he had wounds in his own upbringing. Um, But there was definitely a lack of, I would say, a lack of affection, you know, good, healthy affection in my um, upbringing. Um, and, and so, uh, 
I, I guess, in one of the ways that he did show affection, or one of the ways he did show approval and this sort of thing was um, if I got good grades. You know, if I got good grades, um, then that would be one of, one of the times that I, I recall. I mean, you know, and just focusing on that, um, there, yeah, there would be times where he would um, uh, you know, just be very encouraging if, you know, if I um, did well in, with my grades. And so, yeah, I, I did well with grades from about six sixth grade on. But that was rooted in a wound uh, because in fourth grade, um, I was getting a bad grade in science, I believe it was. And um, on a Sunday, uh, I remember my dad sitting me down and, and saying, essentially, son, if you do not get good grades, you're not going to get a good job when you get older. And I could just see the disappointment on his face. I could just see what was what I had to do to make my dad happy um, was I had to get had to make good grades, and um, and so, uh, but it just I remember that vividly that encounter vi- vividly, um, and so I, I felt like I had to take control, and that became I, I acted out of that like that was what I spent my time doing. So from sixth grade through high school, straight A's. And, you know, on one hand, you say, well, it's, yeah, straight A's. That's great. Um, and so, and I look back on it, and there's a goodness to it because it kept me out of trouble, I guess, in many ways, not totally. But, um, but also that became my identity, you know, this is this is who I am. I'm the kid that gets good grades, right? And um, <clears throat> and they would, my parents would reinforce that by uh, taking us out to dinner, you know, when, after a quarter, after a semester, whatever, and uh, giving us um, a gift of of some money or what have you. But um, you know, there would be so much pressure on me, so much pressure on. To get good grades, I just remember maybe seventh grade through ninth grade, beginning of the year, when I'd see everything, he'd give you the, we'd get the syllabus or the schedule, we'd see everything we had to do. And I would just be under so much pressure in my mind and heart, like, how am I going to get straight A's this year? This is a lot. And I would, I would be bawling when I go to bed at night. And my mom would try to encourage me, and, and um, it would just be such a weight. And, and my dad would say, don't worry, you'll do just fine. You know, well, it kind of rang hollow, right? Um, what it came across to me like, you'll get straight A's, you know. You have before. There's no, why, no reason why you can't this year, you know. And so, it, but, you know, that became my identity. You know, just so... One example of a wound to my heart, you know, but okay, the example of how we notice lies, okay, how they kind of surface or they're they're revealed to us, we would say, by the Lord at different points in our lives, like how we've been living under this or that lie, okay? So even uh, Friday, yesterday, or maybe it was the day before, I can't, my dad's birthday would have been yesterday, 
okay, November 1st. God rest him. He uh, died in 2001. But, um, you know, I would, the, the lie that, oh, man. yeah, I mean, the lie that crossed, that crossed my mind, that came to the forefront yesterday or the day before, I can't call now, was that that was the only time your dad loved you was when you got good grades. Yeah, there may have been a lot of times where he didn't show it, right? May have been a lot of times where he didn't show it where I needed that. But was it true that that was the only time he loved me? No. Um, so an example of just a lie came to the surface within two days, you know, last two days. And something that had never occurred to me, you know. And um, so... Uh, you know, and I want to say too, brothers and sisters, please do not, you know, the wounds to our hearts, there just can be a lot, right? Just can be a lot. And it's important. I didn't mention this last night, but don't, don't do the best you can to resist the temptation to list, to come up with a laundry list of all the things that are on your heart and saying, okay, this is what I need healed. This is what I need healed. This is what I need healed. Um, Maybe the, the best is just, Lord, what do I, you know, what is that I want healed now? And granted, like I said last night, the Lord may be saying, yeah, I know this has been important for you for months and years, but I'd like to heal this part here first. Um, so that could be the case, but just what is the desire of your heart with respect to that? What comes to mind first for you? Don't, don't try to, I would say, you know, and it's okay if you if you do. It's okay if if you want to write down you know various things, but don't put that whole burden on you. That's the point. It's not up to you to fix yourself. It's not up to us to to heal ourselves. That's why I have a savior. This is why Jesus came. He's the savior. He's the one who heals. He's the divine physician. I just wanted to give also. Um, a list. One of my favorite podcasts is from this guy, by this guy, Adam Young, The Place We Find Ourselves. He's a counselor. And um, uh, I don't know if you've heard of it, The Place We Find Ourselves. Okay. Um, and I just, um, yeah, and so, you know, his podcast, as well as the Unbound book um, and other resources, can kind of help. It's kind of like doing not not it's not an examination of conscience, but it can kind of help in knowing what are some of the lies that the enemy has fed, if not me, someone else, and if he has fed it to someone else, maybe he's fed it to me as well. Okay, and, but anyway, um, this this um, podcast, the the place we find ourselves, episode forty three. Okay. He talks about agreements, and so some of the agreements, uh, he says that people have made or um, that we make with the enemy, okay, after being wounded. Um, I am alone in this world. Whenever someone is upset with me, I will admit whatever they have accused me of. Otherwise, the relationship might end. No one really cares if I am hurting. I'm my own worst enemy. 
I'll never get over this addiction. If you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. Got that one. I'm too needy or too sensitive. My spouse is never going to respect me. I will do whatever it takes to be chosen. There is something wrong with me. My anger is never welcome, so I will hide my anger. To avoid the pain of not being heard, I just won't take the risk of telling someone when they have hurt me. My spouse will never change. When there is relational conflict, it is always my fault. Jesus has come to heal our wounds. He came to heal uh, the whole person. And um, he experienced all the wounds, experienced all the wounds in his lifetime and in his passion. Uh, But as Dr. Bob points out, he did not allow them to influence his identity. You know, being he was he felt he felt abandonment he felt rejection he felt fear but he did not allow himself to that did not attach itself to him as his identity okay um he experienced fear without identifying himself with fear or as one who is fear or as one who is fearful He experienced abandonment, but he did not think of himself as abandoned. He felt abandonment by the Father. But deep down, he knew that that wasn't who he was. His Father, he was following his Father's will. And uh, it was out of love for his Father that he was offering himself and out of love for us. Um, Pope Benedict XVI says in his um, uh, book, Jesus of Nazareth, page 176, he says, Healing is an essential dimension of the apostolic mission and of Christianity. When understood at a sufficiently deep level, this expresses the entire content of redemption. So I'm just going to close now so that um, we can have some time for confession before Mass. Jesus, just as you just as you held out your sacred heart, pierced, wounded, crowned with thorns, so too, Jesus, we hold out our hearts. 
Jesus, we know that the wounds in your heart have healed the wounds in ours, that that healing may be out there for us. But Lord, we just, we beg you now. We beg you to bring healing to our hearts, our minds, our souls, our bodies. And we just surrender, we submit ourselves to the whole process, to your process. We give you total control, Lord, to be the one to bring healing as you are our Savior. 